Blog Talk Radio. The Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair,
when we acknowledge that there is something greater than ourselves that is in control in humbling ourselves enough to do that, it allows us the ability for growth and expansion of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding because we realize we are not the end-all, be-all. We are being an extension of whatever grace and mercy is coming from the Creator. So again, in doing that, I am attempting or making an attempt to allow those who are listening to understand that I am not the end-all, be-all where this is concerned. I am not some great mystical scholar. I am not the master of disaster. Although ego would like me to think that I am, I am not. I am just your brother, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, trying to give you the benefit of what experience and knowledge I have on this topic, disaster awareness for community preparedness. What you need to do is to assess yourself. Make a general assessment of where you are where this topic is concerned, be honest about how much you don't know about it, and then spend every moment that you can attempting to learn more about it so that you can be one who is knowledgeable rather than one who is ignorant. Again, do if I had to put a disclaimer on this now, I would simply say that the views expressed by Brother Rudolph Muhammad are Brother Rudolph Muhammad's views and should be and cannot be attributed to anyone else or anything else. And from my perspective, okay, again, from my perspective, it is right, it is honorable, it is just and it is mandatory, again, that I give all reference, all honor, and all praise to the creator of the heavens and the earth because it is that individual that created me. And this information that I'm giving you is not my information. It's the same soup, just reheated. So in this next 70 minutes or so, I will pray that something that I say will be a benefit to you and will be able to be used by you for the benefit of yourself, your family, your community, and your nation. The show today will be 
primarily geared toward travel tips for those who will be endeavoring to travel to Chicago for the historic Savior's Day Convention of the Nation of Islam. And there will be some talk about the recent uh, meteor that hit Russia, as well as the asteroid that nearly hit the Earth, but also about the hundreds of others that are out there floating around that they are watching now. Well, where is this reference in Scripture? And what is it that we can do about it when it comes full circle to us and hits us right where we live at? So that will be the format for the day. You know the number. The number is 213-943-3618. That's 213-943-3618. Press the number 1, and that will bring you right into the host so that you can talk live on the air and ask your question express yourself, make your comment, whatever it is that you have to say. This is a discussion, not a monologue. And we're going to get ready to go to our first break. And after we come back, we will deal with our our minute in black history, because this is still Black History Month. And we will deal with the two figures that I have lined up for us today after we come back from this commercial break. I am your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and this is Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness or the Keys 107. We save lives in the community, and we go to any community that needs to learn how to save lives. We're not bound by territory or borders. We go wherever people need the help. Save a Life Rescue Squad, 718-453-4617. That's 718-453-4617. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the final call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the final call newspaper can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com.
Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Good afternoon. We are back on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness on the Keys 107. And I am your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed. All right, this week in our uh, Black History Moment, what we are going to deal with now is two individuals from history who have made their marks in history and who we have no other choice but to recognize them and acknowledge their struggle and their contribution to what we do today. The first may be kind of well-known to some of you, but may not be His name is Elijah McCoy. In 1837, George and Emilia McCoy, who were slaves in Kentucky, escaped to Canada by using an underground railroad route that ran along the Indiana and Ohio border. George enlisted in the Army and served honorably in the 1837 Rebel War. The Canadian government gave him 160 acres of farmland near Ontario, Canada, on Lake Erie, upon his discharge. The city in Ontario is named Colchester, C-O-L-C-H-E-S-T-E-R. Elijah McCoy, the son of George was born on May 2nd, 1843 or 1844, depending on the source that you're checking. Remember, back then, they did not have uh, very concrete methods of documentation, so it, uh, the precise year for a lot, a lot of our historians may be arbitrary depending on who is telling the story. As a child, Elijah showed great interest in the mechanical devices and tools used on the family's farm. His parents were able to save enough to send Elijah to school in Eidenberg, Scotland, to learn mechanical engineering in 1859-1860. The five-year period from 1860 to 1865 was a time of great social and technical change. The U.S. Civil War raged while Elijah was in Scotland. William John Rankine, who lived in Eidenberg and later Glasgow, wrote Manual of the Steam Engine and other prime movers. 
this was introduced, or this later introduced, the thermodynamics of the red kind steam engine or steam cycle to engineers. His terms are those used in the fields still this very day. Advances in material science and thermodynamics made steam engines more reliable, more economical, and capable of operating at greater pressures. Elijah returned to Canada after the Civil War was over, living with his family for about a year before moving to Michigan. Now, the city in Michigan is Y as in Yankee, P as in Paul, S as in Sam, I as in Ida, L as in Larry, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, I as in Ida. The management of the Michigan Central Railroad could not imagine that a Negro could be an engineer, but did hire him as a trained fireman and oilman. His job was to stoke the boiler and lubricate the steam cylinders and the sliding parts of the train. Now, you know, him being a Negro at this time, they were not going to give him a prestigious job to do. For those who do not know what this is like, when I went to the Navy, I was a boiler technician. And because I was, I'll say because I was the newest one in the division, I had the job of climbing into the boiler of the ship after the ship shut down in port after about eight hours and scraping down the side walls, front wall, and rear wall tubes, scraping all of the soot and black dirt off of them in order to create uh, a clean surface for them when they light it back up so it doesn't have any afterburner or it's not burning any um, um, unwanted materials that may have been left on the tubes or the, the, the headers. Now, what you need to understand is this is a dirty job and it's a hot job. Elijah, okay, realized that one of the problems of the heat and the high-pressure steam is that it is murderously corrosive of most metals. And the thin film of lubrication, which they were using back then, was not efficient enough uh, for the engines to run at a long period of time. In 1872, Elijah patented his first invention, a self-regulating lubricator that utilized the steam pressure in the cylinders to operate the valve. Within 10 years, his device was so successful that by 
guess there was a lot of rioting going on then in factories where they would ask for this device, they would ask for the real McCoy. And that's where that term that is used to this day, when someone wants to make sure that they're not getting a fugazi or they're not getting a an inferior product, they will ask, is this the real McCoy? Elijah was married twice. His first wife was Anne Elizabeth Stewart. They were married in 1868. She died in 1872, the year of his first patent. He then married Mary Eleanor Delaney, another child of former slaves in 1873. In 1882, Elijah and Mary moved into an integrated neighborhood in Detroit, Michigan. He performed consulting work for local firms and worked on his old inventions. Over the course of his life, he was granted 52 patents, most which were of improvement of steam engines, though he did patent a folded iron board and a self-propelled lawn sprinkler. In 1916, he patented what he described as his invention, the graphite lubricator. This lubricator used powdered graphite suspended in oil to lubricate cylinders of superheater trade engines. He finally established his own company in 1920, the Elijah McCoy Manufacturing Company in Detroit, Michigan. Shortly afterwards, he and his wife were involved in a traffic accident. His wife, Mary, never fully recovered and died in 1923. Elijah's health deteriorated after her death. Like so many other inventors of his era, Elijah used his money trying to perfect his inventions. He was broken alone when he was admitted to the Elijah's infirmary in 1928. He died a year later. In 1975, the Detroit Historical Commission renamed the street and erected a cast iron sign honoring Elijah McCoy. His contemporaries recall Elijah as being a kind man who would urge neighborhood children to go to school and get an education. He would show them his inventions and would hire young Negro males to work in his factory. Elijah McCoy's contributions to the success of steam engines, the main power source of transportation and manufacturing during the 1850s to the 1930 era, are little known today. The demise of the steam engine and the ascendance of the internal combustion engine and electricity has played a part. So has the invisible nature of lubrication compared to other more visible futures 
of Steve Richards. Whatever the reason, we still know that when we want the best that there is, we ask for the real McCoy. Again, Elijah McCoy, an inventor, and the inventor of the lubricating uh, tool that was used in the steam engines. The next one is Dr. Patricia Bath, E-A-T-H. She was an ophthalmic surgeon, inventor, and an activist for patient rights. She was born in Harlem, New York in 1942. The daughter of Rupert Bath, an educated and well-traveled merchant seaman, and Gladys, a homemaker and house cleaner, they were support of parents who encouraged their children to focus on education and believe in their dreams. Bath developed a love for books, travel, and science. She excelled at school and became and began to show her aptitude in biology in high school, where she became the editor of the Charles Evans Hughes High School's science paper and won numerous science awards. In fact, she was chosen in 1959 at the age of 16 to participate in a summer program offered by the National Science Foundation at Yeshiva University. She gained notoriety while working at Yeshiva. She derived a mathematical equation for predicting cancer cell growth. One of her mentors in the program, Dr. Robert O. Bernard, incorporated her findings into a paper he presented at an international conference held in Washington, D.C. in 1960. Following this experience, Bath won a 1960 Barrett Award from Mademoiselle Magazine. She completed high school in just two and a half years and entered New York's Hunter College to study chemistry and physics. She earned a Bachelor's of Arts from Hunter in 1964. From there, Beth went to medical school at Harvard University in Washington, D.C. Beth finished her MD in 1968 and returned to New York as an intern at Harlem Hospital, followed by an, a fellowship in ophthalmology at Columbia University in 1969-1970. During this time, Beth began to notice differences among the patient population in hospitals she worked in. Again, we're talking about the difference between Harlem Hospital and Columbia University. At Harlem Hospital, where there were many African-American patients, nearly half were blind or visually impaired. But at Columbia Eye Clinic, the blindness rate was markedly lower. She conducted a study documenting her observations that blindness among blacks was nearly double the rate of blindness among whites. She concluded that this was largely due to many African Americans lack the access to ophthalmic care. With this finding, 
Bath established a new discipline known as community ophthalmology. Bath later moved on to Los Angeles where she got married and had a child. She did a fellowship in 1974 in corneal and keratoporosis surgery. Again, this is dealing with our eyes. She moved to Los Angeles with her daughter and joined the faculty of the University of California at Los Angeles and the Charles Drew University as assistant professor of surgery and ophthalmology in 1975. Beth became the first African-American woman surgeon at UCLA Medical Center and the first woman faculty member at the UCLA Drew Stein Eye Institute. Yes. In 1976, Dr. Babb co-founded the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness, AIPB, an organization that aims to protect, preserve, and restore the gift of sight for all persons, regardless of race, gender, age, or income. In 1961, Babb conceived of the for which she has become famous, the laser saco probe. This is a surgical tool that uses the laser to vaporize cataracts via a tiny one millimeter insertion into the patient's eye. After using the saco probe to remove the cataract, the patient's lids can be removed and a replacement lens can be inserted. Her idea was very advanced for its time, thus it took more than five years for her to perfect the concept and apply for a patent. She received her first patent for the device in May of 1988, followed by another in December of 1998. She holds four U.S. patents in all four innovations related to the faculty, the laser faculty, excuse me. In addition to international patents from Japan, Canada, and several other countries in Europe, the Laser Faculty Pro has been used overseas since 2000 but it's still being tested for safety by the Food Drug Administration in the United States. In 1983, Beth was named chair of the Ophthalmology Residency Training Program, which she also co-founded at Drew UCLA. Beth was the first woman in the country to hold such a position. She was elected to Hunter College Hall of Fame in 1988 and named Howard University Pioneer in Academic Medicine in 1993. Also that year, 
Beth retired from the UCLA Medical Center, and she became the first woman to be elected to the center's honorary medical staff. Again, this is Dr. Patricia Bath, ophthalmologist surgeon, inventor, and activist for patient rights, born in Harlem, USA, in 1942. Dr. Elijah McCoy, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Patricia Bath and Elijah McCoy, two pioneers in history that we need to learn more about, need to teach more about to our children so that they can understand what their place in history can be as they are writing their history down. We're going to get ready to go to our next break, and when we come back, we're going to take our phone calls, and we have a guest coming on with us so that we can deal with the issue of travel and safety. Again, this is your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and this is the Keys 107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We save lives in the community, and we go to any community that needs to learn how to save lives. We're not bound by territory or borders. We go wherever people need the help. Save a Life Rescue Squad, 718-453-4617. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad and the Believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevards. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer, Fridays at 1.15 p.m. For more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200 or www.mosque7.org. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Boom 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The women's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, 
out the best in you. Don't forget to visit Moon107.com. Brother Rudolph Muhammad, your host of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and we are joined on the line by a sister formerly from New York City who now lives in Chicago. She is an EMT and a nurse by profession, but she is also one who is studied and schooled in the area of disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and who teaches in the Chicago area. Sister Karima, are you on the line? Sister Karima? Uh, We are experiencing some technical difficulties at this time, but we will try and get her back on the line so that she will be on the air with us so that she can lend her experience and her knowledge and her views and get them out to you also. But you can call in at 213-943-3618. That's 213-943-3618. Press the number one, and we can talk live for the next couple of minutes. Now, I'm looking at, an interactive uh, map of the not the United States of the world and in looking at this map I am looking at some current emergencies that are going on as we speak right now like for instance there's an extreme weather uh, not warning, well, not a watch. It's actually going on. There's extreme weather in the state of Minnesota in the western region. There's extreme weather in the state of Texas. Uh, there was a major, a major vehicle accident in the state of New Jersey, in Hamilton Township, Mercer County, that has shut down the entire interstate. Sister Kareem, are you on? Yes. Assalamu alaikum. How are you, sir? Wa alaikum salam. Doing well. Praise be to Allah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I too am doing well. Good. Uh, for the listeners, I hear that you're talking. I hear that you're talking about. Um, Disasters going on in the United States. Did you happen to mention about the media showers that we experienced this weekend? No, man. I left that for you. Uh, hold on, Sister uh, Family. As I had introduced, this is she, Sister Kariba, uh, who teaches disaster awareness for community preparedness. If you're in the Chicago area, uh, you may want to contact her uh, to get information, knowledge, understanding about the time that we are living in 
and what must be done where disasters are concerned. Um, all right, now, Sister Grima, since you brought it up, yeah, let's talk about that now. The meteor showers, the near-asteroid um, collision with the Earth, uh, the prediction of other meteor showers, and, well, well, let me just ask, ask this question, because there are various reports that came in from Russia with that hit, uh, detailing the damage that was done, um, how loud the blast was, how far, you know, it, people felt that. What would a person do during a media shower? Aside from yell, scream, and pray. Well, here, in the, here, I don't know about Russia, but here in the United States, for weeks, um, over a month, they have been talking about this asteroid that was coming close to the Earth and being close to the United States. But they said it would fall off in the water. Whenever there's a asteroid in the atmosphere, once it enters the atmosphere, it breaks up into what they call meteors, and we oftentimes have meteor showers. So there was actually time to prepare for that. So that's what they saw in, um, I believe it was Florida, right. which occurred after what happened in Russia. So, But they already gave us the time when this asteroid was coming, and they said February 16th, which is when they saw the um uh, Meteor shower in Florida So there is um, a warning That they can give At this time So what you want to do Is prepare as if it was A, a tornado Alarm Because you don't want You don't know where it's going to uh, Land How much damage is going to be done So you just want to be very Mindful of your location, away from windows and what have you. In the event it does occur near you, you want to respond as if uh, you were just in an earthquake. And if it was closer to you, then you want to, uh, if you're actually involved in it, let's say a building collapse, then you want to be prepared uh, also for that since the warning has come that an asteroid is in the atmosphere, which now you know will break off and cause meteor showers. So it's like a planned earthquake or a planned building collapse. Okay, hold on now. Hold, hold on so we can just get things in perspective for the listeners. Okay, so listeners, here we go. We're talking about, first of all, an asteroid. An asteroid is a big a very large, uh, a huge boulder that's floating around in space. And now when it enters our atmosphere, the atmosphere of the planet Earth, it breaks up into smaller boulders. Now, when I say smaller, I'm not talking about like marbles. A small one could still be near the size of New Jersey, or uh, something like that, 
but it would be smaller than the original asteroid. Is that correct, Sister Kramer? Yes, sir. Okay. So now the meteor showers. So these are uh, a bunch of these smaller boulders now falling from the atmosphere at great velocity, and they're hot. So they're going to cause certain types of damage when they hit. And so what she is saying is that we should prepare for a meteor shower the same way we would an earthquake or a building collapse as far as what we need to do as citizens seeking refuge. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You want to seek refuge and um, take care of yourself first. And once everything is, is stable, assist those who are injured or may need help. Okay. So now, since we're on that, we might as well go ahead and exhaust this. So now, the type of uh, shelter or procedures that would be necessary for a person to take for this. If you're in a building, you need to find a doorway in the building, but one that is a central located doorway or uh, or connected to the load-bearing wall in the structure. That door, that door seal will help to prevent a lot of objects from collapsing onto your head because, again, that is one of the main structure walls or the load-bearing walls in that building. Now, again, what, what we're telling you are suggestions. We're not saying that these are absolute things that if you do this, you're guaranteed to get a specific outcome because life is life. And Murphy's Law is always in effect. But you need to protect your head to keep things from falling on your head as well as being ready once everything stops falling to protect your respiratory system. Go ahead, Sister Kareem. Um, uh, be prepared a, a little bit more than that because, you know, our earthquake bag is equipped with a hard hat, uh, gloves, PVC gloves, Goggles, a mask, flashlight, a whistle. Um, you can have a shovel, and uh, we have ours. You want uh, radio so you can find out what's going on in the first aid kit. So, like I was saying, we had about six weeks worth of warning in regards to this um, asteroid coming close to the Earth. Uh, 
just like you carry your go bag or you have your go bag at work, at school, your children have them in school, when you have a funny feeling that day, um, you carry your go bag, carry that bag that day when it's foretold. And um, as you have a fire drill and other evacuation drills, have a building collapse drill. How would you get out? What What do you do? You're stuck somewhere. You can't move. Where's your bag? How are you going to get to it? How do you put your stuff on? A beam then fell on you. Your gold bag is only two feet out of your reach. What are you going to do? Um, you don't want to scream and holler for help so dust doesn't kick up or move about because you don't want to kick up dust. You don't want anything else further to fall on you. Be still. Cover your nose and your mouth and listen. There's going to be a search and rescue team, whether it's your own cert team or if, you have, if you're waiting longer, it's because you don't have a cert team in your community, so now you have to wait for the professionals to come get you. So where they would have came within a half an hour, of the disaster, now you have to wait six hours to maybe even three days. But just be calm, be quiet, and listen. When you hear someone or something, you're not sure of what it is, you tap. Take your keys out of your pocket, um, reach for something, and tap. Maybe there's something around you that you can tap and it'll echo. Those that are doing the search and rescue will be listening for a tap. If you don't have anything to tap, hum. They'll also be listening for a hum. Okay, hold on. Hold on, Sister Quigley. So what you're saying is once the building collapses and you're in that condition, you're in that rubble, now, the natural instinct of people is to freak out. They're going to freak out. They're going to start yelling and screaming. And what, what you're saying is they should not do that because that will cause a worse effect on them by kicking up dust, inhaling dust, and possibly causing more things to fall because the structure may not be stable. Correct? Yes, sir. Now, listen, uh, callers, listeners, you should have, you know, when you tune into the show, you should always have pen and paper ready to take down the information. Now, she ran down to you the items in the earthquake bag. So, Screamer, can you go over those items that are found in the earthquake bag again? A hard hat, sturdy goggles. At this time, you want the N100 mask because you so you because you don't want any particles coming in N95 and N100. Either one is fine. You want PVC gloves. That's the constru- construction type gloves uh, with the PVC in case you have to dig your way out or uh, moving about in glass. You don't want to get cut. You want a whistle. 
So um, if you have a whistle, you can blow it. If not, you tap or you hum, and you want a first aid kit. And if sisters as well as brothers, if you don't, if you're at work and you wear different type of work shoes versus the comfortable shoes, you want comfortable shoes with extra socks in your bag. All right, so, again, family, this means that, see, these go-bags, it's not a joke. And there are different go-bags for different regions of the country based on what your hazards and vulnerabilities are. But, again, the basics of the go-bag are the basics of the go-bag. And you can use variables or variate them based on what the threat is. But you need to be carrying something. And you need to have these go bags at your place of work, in your car, in your lockers, at work or at school, the children that carry the knapsacks anyway should have some of these items in their knapsacks as opposed to some of that other stuff that's in there or nothing. Okay. So that's uh, now with the tapping. Are we talking about like Morse code or just tapping, just just to let it echo out so that the search and rescue team can hear that there's somebody under there? No, you don't have to tap in the Morse code, but you should tap in the rhythm. so they can make some uh, distinctive sound and then to to look in that area. Now, you would say, all right, search and rescue teams in different areas. Now, listeners, this is for you to evaluate. Do you have a search and rescue team in your particular area? Is there a search and rescue team on your block? If you live in the housing developments, is there a search and rescue team in your building? Is there a search and rescue team in your church? Is there a search and rescue team in your after-school center, um, in your sports, uh, in, in, you know, part of your, is anyone that's a part of your sports program on the search and rescue team? Is anyone that you know of on a search and rescue team? The, I, again, this is a good question that you need to start asking, and if the answer is no, then you need to be trying to find out where the nearest search and rescue team is, who's on it, and how you can get information from it. Sister Kareem, can you basically tell the listeners uh, where search and rescue teams are concerned, how they can go about instituting one in their areas if they don't already have one? Well, you can you can join one, or you can form one. And the way to find out for both is to go online to citizenscorp.gov, type in your zip code, and the information will come up. It'll let you know where your local uh, team is. And if there is not one, there's information on that website for you to organize one. 
if you happen to live in the Chicago land area and would like to form a a um a local team, I believe it's a minimum of eight to ten. Not sure. Uh I would be one of the instructors coming out as as well as other members of the Chicago land search. And CERT is Community Emergency Response Team. Okay, uh, listeners, family, uh, again, a lot of information given to you as to what you can do to make yourself self-reliant in responding to emergencies in your community and not becoming a victim because you're waiting for whether it's the government, the local municipality, city services, or anybody else to do something for you that you can do for yourself. This whole program that we're talking about is a do-for-self program. We'll teach you what needs to be done. We'll tell you where you can get the information and the help, but you must get up off your rusty dusty and make something happen, or you will be a victim and will be there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay, now Sister Karima, um, we well, and let, let's let's continue with this. Let's continue with this for right now until we get ready to go to break. And when we come back from break, we will deal with the uh, travel advisories and the safety warnings and the safety procedures for those that will be traveling to the Chicago area for the historic Savior's Day address of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan this weekend coming up. All right, so we talked about the meteor showers. We talked about the, again, refresh for them. What is a watch? What does that mean when you hear that there is a watch of any kind institute? A watch is um, a warning. It means that something may or may not occur, but it may occur, so keep a lookout for it. And a watch is to look a lookout. Okay. You're watching for something. The warning me is imminent. It's here. You don't have to watch for it. It's getting ready to reach out and touch you. Okay, so you have a watch and a warning, and it's just what it says, family. The watch means they're looking. The warning means it's imminent. It's about to happen, and like she said, it's going to reach out and touch you. Will you be ready when it reaches out is the question. When an evacuation order is given, you have to make a decision, family, and I'm not... uh, Shining you, I'm not demeaning you, I'm not uh, trying to embarrass anyone, 
None of that. You have to make a decision, though. You cannot be indecisive and wishy-washy about that decision. Either you're going to stay or either you're going to go. Sometimes there is no right decision. It's just a decision that has to be made and it has to be followed with some action. We can and always put the quarterback and see what could have, should have, would have happened. But the, the bottom line is to just sit and do nothing is sure failure. If you decide to stay, make sure you understand no help will be coming for you for a long time. It may be more than the 72 hours. It may be more than a week. It may be more than two weeks. It may be more than a month. You were told to evacuate. You made the decision to stay. First responders, emergency personnel, evacuate also. Maybe you will find a weather forecast or some other news reporter there, depending on the disaster that stayed to cover the story. But emergency personnel, evacuate also, because we want our lives to be spared to be able to help you. See, and on that note, let me say this. Family, uh, when you make that decision to stay in a disaster area, you're not just impacting yourself. You, and you need to know that. And this is real talk as a responder. When you make that decision to stay, you have just put a lot of other people's lives in jeopardy. So before you make that selfish decision based on whatever you're making it on, think about all of the lives that you're putting in jeopardy and whether it's worth it or not because of why you're staying. Property over lives, things over lives, trinkets and luxuries, material things, over human life. Think about it. Um, right now it's uh, 5.02. Um, let's get ready to go to this last break. And when we come back, we will talk about safety procedures and concerns while traveling. I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed. We are being joined by our guest, Sister Kareema from the Chicagoland area, and this is the Keys 107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. 
Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. We save lives in the community, and we go to any community that needs to learn how to save lives. We're not bound by territory or borders. We go wherever people need the help. Save a Life Rescue Squad, 718-453-4617. That's 718-453-4617. Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Looking for you 
to go in the direction that they just told you to, and you're going to meet with So that's something okay. for the listeners. All right, Sister Kriva, hold on. Now, that second part, I want you to repeat again. The first complaint that slides, that goes over is the Civil Air Patrol, and their job is to take a picture of what is going on, and that's all they're doing. They're not there to help. They're there to take a picture and send um, intelligence as to what the area looks like, correct? Correct. They send it both to FEMA, Homeland Security. They all get the same message at the same time. But okay. the job is not to, that's not search and rescue. The, the job is not to rescue, but to take information. Okay. Now, that next plane that you're speaking of, the one that flies directly over you. Now, say that part again about the rocket and the turning, which direction it's going in. Right. If it stops over you and it circles around you, and it, it waves the rudder, which is the back end of the plane, and then it goes into a straight direction. The plane is trying is telling you to go in that direction. There's a land crew that's looking for you, and that's the direction they're they're coming. Are okay. you there? Yes, I'm here. I was listening to you. Okay. All right. So, family, you heard that. If the plane circles over you, then comes back again, rocks, and goes off in a direction, it's pointing you in the direction of which the ground troops are coming. They're not troops. They're not troops. They're not troops. It's a team. It's a rescue team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the military in me talking. You're right. The ground team is coming, and that's the direction you should go in to meet them. Okay. All right, got that. Got that. All right. Now, people who are traveling to Chicago for Savings Day. All right, let's deal with the airports first and Homeland Security and all of that stuff, the TSA people and all of that. The rules have changed, people. The rules have changed. And even to this day, they're still changing. So what you need to know is there is no ordinary, there is no average situation. Everything is different, and it depends. What code are we in? What threat level response are we in? Are we in orange? Are we in yellow? Are we in green? What level are we in? Dictates how they're going, how aggressive they're going to be, how compromising they may be, or how willing to compromise they may be. But what you should do is you should try and ensure that you are doing everything in your power to not put yourself in that predicament, meaning what are you traveling with? Now, you know where liquids are concerned, you can't travel with more than three ounces of anything. You cannot walk up there with your Starbucks cup and go through the uh, metal detectors and the scan thing. It's not going to happen. you got to get rid of it. 
You can't, this is not the old days of People's Express and Piedmont Express. There is no BYOBB to the point. You cannot bring your own brown bag, your greasy chicken wings, and your whatever is in that bottle out to the top on the tarmac and board the plane with it. You can't do that. So these are some things that you need to understand. Um, you cannot bring food with you onto the plane. Not from outside. If you're purchasing anything, once you're in the terminal area, once you have cleared security, then that stuff you can take on with you. But you can't bring anything from curbside through the security checkpoint into um, that area. As far as what you are wearing, you know you're going to a metal detector, okay? So you know that you need to divest yourself of all types of metal and stuff because everything has to go either on the conveyor or on the uh, everything has to go on the conveyor in the little um, cup thing or or you know in the um, plastic tub and go through the thing and then you have to walk through the uh, metal detectors and so again you must take everything out of your pockets take your belt off take your shoes off. And as long as you don't have any metal in your suits or in your, uh, you know, connected to your pants or anything, you should go right through the, uh, the metal detector and just pick your stuff up on the other side. But if something flags, they will allow you to go through twice. If you go through twice and you're still not cleared, you will be detained. Know that for surety, they're going to sit you over on the side Someone else is going to come and they're going to have to do a hand search, a pat-down of you, as well as uh, them taking the, the chemical samples of your clothing. This is always a stressful time for most people, some more than others. If you have a question about what you're packing or planning to take, call the airlines prior to going. Call the airlines. That's all you do. Um, and that should help help you out. And, of course, remember, time frame, people. Give it two hours before your flight. You need to be in the airport two hours ahead of your flight because it may take you that long just to get through the security checkpoints. Now, we know how O'Hare international is, and we know how coming out of New York, JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark are. Wherever you're coming from, you need to know what the procedure is for the airport that you're flying out of, and whether they historically are just slow, lackadaisical, and have delays, or whether they're just that many incidences that it's constantly uh causing it to slow down. But these are some things that you need to be aware of. Okay? If you're traveling by car, 
there, there are some things that you need to have in your car. You should have your vehicle manual. Well, first of all, your car should get checked out to make sure it's roadworthy. Your tires should be properly inflated. You should have uh, a full tank of fuel. All of your fluids should be topped off. You should make sure that your belts are secure under the hood. All your lights are working. Uh, your seat safety devices, your seat belts are working. Uh, Subscriber, you can jump in at any time. Yes, sir. The same instruction that you're given in regards to travel on what to have uh, in the vehicle, you need to have the same if you're traveling by bus or by train. All right, so again, you you should have a little map with you, a little compass. You should always have your flashlight, a fully charged cell phone, an extra battery if possible. Uh, Remember, telephones are for information, not visitation. Right, Uh, because the battery runs more when it's searching for a signal. It uses more power, so your battery will be quicker. All right. Um, so now, as for all right, you 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 and you should make sure that you dress for the weather. Not just the weather where you're coming from, but bring preparations for the weather where you're going. Check the weather reports so that you will know what you're going into. And switch your clothes accordingly. Do not allow your body to sweat. And you're about to hit into a cold region. Your pores get open. You do not want cold in your body. That is very painful. Joints, muscle ache at the same time. You do not want to do so that way. It knocks your immune system down. You're weak and don't know what hits you. So change your clothes Dress in layers, peel off accordingly to the temperature. Now, on that, talking about your immune system. Yes, you, you're getting ready to travel. You want to fortify your immune system, people. All right? Remember, the tablespoon of cod liver oil in, 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 you know, early in the morning. Um, your vitamin C. Your echinacea. Remember, if you take meditation, have your meditation with you. Now is not the time to get super, super, super religious and talk about, oh, I'm not going to take my meditation. I'm not, I'm fasting. You don't fast while you're traveling, family. You do not fast while you're traveling. Let me share this information from the Ministry of Health. You get ill, Savior's Day. You're going to the local hospital, with, not with somebody from the Ministry of Health. May not be with whom you travel with because they 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 want to hear the minister, your squad leader, or your captain will have to go to the hospital with you. Then you will have to deal with them. Well, yeah, they'll have to deal with you when you get home. So. Stay well, and if you travel um, and you don't have enough money for food, uh, 
we get that a lot. Open your mouth and say that you're hungry. You'll get some bean soup, some bread, and some water. And be sent on your way. And still, you'll be dealt with when you get home. So, um, let's have a safe, healthy trip. I'm sorry, Brother Rudolph. Continue. No, no, that's all right, sis. All right, family, thank you. We have to wrap up now. Sister Cream, I want to thank you for lending your time and for your charity in the way of your information, again, and your time and all that you have given. Family, remember, we are trying to give you information that can help save your life and ease the burden off of you in times of crisis. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. Remember that. This is your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. The Keys 107, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. All that are going to Chicago, have a happy Savior's Day. Take the necessary precautions when you check in your hotel. Make sure that you know where your emergency exits are and you know the the amount of steps from your door to the stairwells. Walk those before you start frolicking and playing so that you have your emergency routes planned out. Again, thank you. I want to thank my production staff, Sister Rafika. Thank you and all of the staff of the Keys 107 for the help that they give every week and presenting this forum so that I can get this information out to you. This is your brother. I love you. We need you to survive. Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. This is the Keys 107. Thank you. Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad.